Hey y'all, welcome to Dashing Agents the Podcast, episode 5. Wow, it's been a while since I've done this. So, uh, thanks so much for tuning in. Really appreciate it. I actually recorded this episode a few weeks ago uh, with my friend Alden Roth, um, before everything kind of went to shit. And honestly, it's kind of surreal listening back on it now. We were so naive back then, in February talking about our goals for 2020 and how we wanted to get outside more and make more movies. Man, times have changed. But this is a fun episode, so hopefully it can help take your mind off how terrible everything is for a little while at least. Alden is an adventure filmmaker and someone I really look up to as an entrepreneur and outdoorsy guy. He's always on the move, traveling for work and for fun, running, biking, climbing. He hiked the John Muir Trail last year. He has like three companies. The dude is kind of prolific to say the least. Seems like he's always making things, which is something I hope to get better at someday. But, you know, it's taken me like six months to make this podcast episode, so. We kind of got off track a few times during our talk, and I didn't get to all of the questions I had intended to ask, but there's a lot of good advice in there for anyone who wants to make a living while being outdoors. Except, you know, not anymore, because we're all stuck inside until we rot to death or the world catches up with us and we all burn. But anyway, here's a podcast. I need to get like a better podcast setup yeah but you know it check, works check out. check let's see Ooh. all right well what's up alden welcome to the dashing agent no welcome to dashing agent the podcast it's been a while since i've done this nice how long's it been <laughs> the last one was like july i think okay that's... maybe maybe a little later than that we had a few guests that didn't quite work out and then i mm. honestly just forgot about it okay but so, uh, what's up, man? How you been? I've uh, been good. Been busy. Trying to make things happen in the new year. I don't know. It feels like 2020. I didn't really have any any overlapping projects, work or otherwise, like coming into the new year. And so stuff has just been, it's been a slow winter. Just really meandering around and yeah, trying to be more active this year. Nice. This, ooh, I got to turn that off. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Why don't you introduce yourself a little bit, even though the only people who listen to this podcast are my friends and know who you are. Sure. I mean, oh, an introduction for me. I am a filmmaker, uh, rock climber, runner, all-around dude in, interested in adventure, and... Uh, trying to just enjoy life i don't know it's i i'm bad at introducing myself that's all right but that's um no nah, i used to i say used to because i haven't done it in a while but um my wife and i have a bus that we're in the middle of convert converting so like that's a like we're i thought that project was was dead you no know, we're still doing this? it's i mean we haven't touched it in months but um yeah we're still doing it and so where is the bus now it sits in a, uh, an outdoor storage lot in Etna. Okay. Yep. Nice. Just sitting there, collecting Wait, so dust. You, you haven't lived in the bus, though. You did live in a van? Is I that... lived in a van for um, six months, and then I bought the bus, and I would split time between the bus and the van. And then I sold the van and lived strictly in the bus for probably another six months, and then my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, moved back to Pittsburgh from New York, and we got an apartment together. Two people in a van or in a bus is probably not the best. Yeah, and it's just, it would be a little tricky, because my schedule is always crazy, and 
hers isn't locked down either and it just would have been it, like that's our part of our goal is to like have it be finished and like live in it full time in one capacity or another but it doesn't really make sense in the city to have two people living in one vehicle yeah were you when you were living in the van and then the bus did you were you traveling around a lot or was it mostly just you weren't paying rent just kind of yeah mostly not paying rent um the van actually i owned the van for probably i want to say two and a half or three years and of that whole time it actually functioned for maybe a total of six weeks <laughs> it was like i i literally bought it and five days after buying it i had to get a new power steering rack and that cost a stupid amount of money and but the the actual problem with it was that like it got fixed within a month and the guy didn't actually fix it properly and so then I had to take it back and it took like three months for it to get done again and then things just kept happening and it was like just ridiculous so was it was it like all the youtubers and instagram people whole the whole van life oh, thing I mean absolutely not <laughs> it was it was I mean part of the the downfall of my experience was that like the van couldn't move around and so <laughs> it didn't go very far right that was i like i had a co-working space that i had 24-hour access to so i basically lived there i cooked my meals there, i showered there i did laundry there you know i just tried not to sleep there and uh i eventually switched co-working spaces and then the only they didn't have laundry shower or cooking they only had a microwave <laughs> so i like made a lot of ramen there and did a lot of quote-unquote work there tried not to sleep there showered at ascend every morning and but that was like that yeah so that was when i started living in the bus because i moved co-working spaces because the bus could drive around oh okay yeah and right. so and now the bus does not drive around. it does the, it, oh, okay. it, it has the ability to we just no longer have the finances gotcha, to. Gotcha. i mean we we bought it for eight hundred dollars assuming that when we went to pick it up it wasn't going to run right and it just magically started up the day we went to get it and so like that was like great that it was actually running but we knew there were problems with it to begin with and so eventually the problems became too great and we had to get a new engine and so we had like four grand saved up to do all the renovations and everything and a new engine cost four and a half grand (laughs) so haven't really done anything since then yeah well that's cool though that'll be a good uh a good future goal yeah yeah i mean that's one of the big goals of 2020 for me is trying to not if not finish it at least get it running yeah how do you think riley the dog would like to would like to live in the bus um so i mean when we live in the bus that will hopefully mean we're either traveling full-time or living on a nice piece of land out west so i think she'll like it because either way she'll get to run around more yeah that's cool does Riley like driving or like being in the car? Yeah. When we first got her, she hated it. Atticus just like, he won't, I mean, he does it, yeah. but he'll just, he'll throw up. And really? I don't know if he just gets car sick, which is what I think it is. Yeah. But I have a sneaking suspicion that it's just in protest. Hmm. Well, um, what are some of your other goals for 2020? Um, a big goal right now is to like have a sustainable business. Yeah. Um, in in all all definitions of the word like i want to it's lofty and i don't know that it'll happen this year but i'd like to you know do something to offset my impact on the environment that kind of deal um 
so I don't really know what that is. I haven't looked into it yet. I need to make a little bit of money before I can really do anything about yeah, it. Yeah, that, that's a tough thing too. Not right. To, not to cut you off, but that's something that uh, that Mikey and I have been working on a lot this year is trying to be more sustainable. Yeah. Um, and just conscious about like the things that we're buying and right. not and wasting less and all of that. Right. But what I've realized because I'm not making much money anymore. It's if you don't have money, it's so oh, it, hard it's to impossible. do anything. Like I have to, I shop at Aldi because it's the cheapest, yeah. but everything is packaged. Right. So it's like it's like I can either save money and produce waste, yeah. or I can shop at the co-op, which is right. twice as expensive, right. but it's better for the environment. Right. So that's it's an issue for sure. Oh yeah, I mean, like yeah, we're we just we're trying to go plant based, um, and that's been like. We used to be able to get by like $150 for a month at Aldi. Oh, yeah. And that was like sitting pretty. That's pretty good. Yeah. And now trying to be plant-based and buy all this like fancy plants and tofu and all this stuff, it's like not even coming close at that. Yeah. So we're like, okay, we're going to be like plant-based like three days a week. That's good. We did in, I want to say September, we went vegan just for the month. Yeah. Um, and I mean, to be totally honest, I don't think I could ever go fully vegan, um, just because I just love cheese so much. I'm just trying to be more conscious about what I eat. So I really don't eat meat that often. Um, like I really only eat meat when I'm going out to eat. I, we don't bring it into the house or anything. Um, it's like, that's a good thing. Like I'm just trying to make small changes as we go. But, um, no, I'm with, I, I like eggs too much. So yeah, that's like that, that. I don't want to be vegan for that reason, but I mean, the dream is to have like enough land that we can like have chickens and just like have the eggs. Oh yeah, I mean, Hannah, my wife, she raised chickens as a, as a kid, like in her bedroom, and then oh, wow. eventually had fifty chickens. And so we had like four growing up. Yeah, yeah. No, we um when we first adopted Riley, we went out to Hannah's parents' house, and they have a big piece of land, and that's when we like let Riley off leash and. Uh, that's also when we learned that Riley is a bird dog. Oh, yeah. Because she found one of the two remaining chickens and killed it. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> that's sad. Yeah. Then a hawk got the other one. Oh, wow. Jeez. <laughs> so there are no more chickens, and Hannah's mom is pretty happy about that. Yeah. Yeah, they're a lot of work. I mean, yeah. it depends. They're just gross. They just make a big mess. But, but yeah. Yeah, so that's that's good. That's a, that is a goal that we're trying to – we're striving for this year as well. Yeah. But, like, I was thinking about just, like, doing – monthly goals or like challenges sort of just to like you know reduce my impact a little bit but i did want to talk to you about that about because you travel a lot for work Mm -hmm. um i mean how do you how do you deal with that like trying to travel sustainably do you do anything to offset that i mean that's part of the thing i'd like to but i don't so not to put you on like no 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 but so I don't know. I, I I look at things interestingly, and you know, I I am all for like voting with your dollars and that kind of thing. But I was thinking about this the other day because they were some, some podcast I was listening to. They were saying like you know, obviously, if you cut out like private jets and that kind of thing, that's what is polluting the most as far as air travel goes. Um, but they were trying to come up with different alternatives to like get rid of. Um, normal plane travel and I was like thinking about it and I was like you have to 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 like 
rewrite how people travel in that way, like that massively, you'd have to rewrite so many different economies because like just just the airline industry alone is massive. And so like you talk about like all these people that don't have to use airline travel to get to and from their work, they don't really, they have the luxury of saying, let's just stop taking air fl- airline yeah. flights. Um, but I was thinking about it and it's like the amount of, the amount of people and the frequency at which we would have to stop flying for just one route to get switched from twice a day to once a day. It's like you literally would have to cancel like a hundred people traveling every day from like consistently. Right. Cause just you not getting on a plane, that's not doing anything for the environment. Cause that plane's still going to fly. It's still going to produce the same amount. It might produce like slightly less CO2 because it doesn't have to use as much gas because your weight's not in it, but it's still going to fly. The majority of it is still going to be burnt off. And like you, like from Pittsburgh to Las Vegas, Spirit flies twice a day. And so you would literally, that's 180 seats, I think, in one of those planes. So for them to reduce that to one flight a day, you're talking about 180 people not going to Vegas every single day. That's just like you—you you have to completely change the industry of everything. Yeah, I guess to counter argue that, not that it's much of an argument. Um, <laughs> you're right, though. I think it's totally—it's impossible for one person to really make a difference, and that's with travel or going vegan or you know buying in bulk and not producing. Right, 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 like right. That's all across the board. One, I am not going to make a difference on that. Yeah, it is a collective thing. Um, so. In a way, there does need to be like a serious disruption of some of those industries. And it's going to suck. And it's, quite frankly, probably not going to happen. I mean, I don't know what the what it is now. It was like if we don't if we don't start like producing way less uh, carbon emissions by, you know, 2030 or whatever, then we were just fucked. Um, It's probably probably have less time now. But like, yeah, like something needs to happen. And but I but like as far as like individual people go, like I know that I know that it's like it's better to take um, to like not have layovers and just do direct flights. Like that makes a huge difference because yeah. most of the carbon comes from uh, takeoff and landing. Yeah. Um, so when you're like doubling that, it's, yeah, yeah, you know, right. So I don't know, right. And what we should really do is find alternative fuel re- yeah. fuel sources. Yeah. The dream, right? Because it's not that we need to stop air travel. It's that we need to have cleaner models of energy sure. for that air travel to happen, yeah. right? Because it's it's also like part of the whole thing with going vegan is that like yeah it you you it takes less energy to get um, veggies produced. Right. I think I could be talking out of my ass for all I know for all of this. Just I, just a yeah, disclaimer. It's fine. Um, but like like a, a big part of it is that cows produce, produce methane, which is a big part of the greenhouse gas effect thing. Um, but it's also like the CO2 that's put off by transport of meat products is also a big thing. And that that's why like Meatless Monday is a way better way of counteracting climate change than saying, hey, take one less air flight a year. Sure. So I think, I think in that sense, like I think having more people eat plant-based or 
at least do one or two days meatless, it, that'll have a way better impact than saying, hey, stop doing airline travel. Because then, I don't know. I just... Listen, I, yeah, I'm not. I wasn't trying to attack. No, no, you no, no, no. I know you. I know you weren't. It's just that's. It's something that I've thought about because because I do a lot of work for Spirit Airlines, and so I think about it often because they they're like, oh, you just hop on a flight. Like literally, the producer who I work through, he like once or twice a month has a commute where in the morning he hops on a flight that goes to Fort Lauderdale, and in the evening he flies back to Pittsburgh. Oh, that's there's just so many aspects of business that are connected to airline travel like tourism and everything like if you stop airline travel then tourism in so many places would just tank and ruin industries that are some sometimes like the bread and butter of a country yeah or or a city so but you're a filmmaker let's talk about movies sure so i wanted to primarily talk to you about adventure filmmaking that's where the travel came into this yeah yeah, yeah. i've been wanting to get into more adventure filmmaking yeah. which is a term i really don't like it's kind of a catch-all term for just like what i mean how would you how would you describe adventure filmmaking it's basically making movies about anything that happens outside yeah and it's nice because it's like you don't knit yourself in too small about like i'm a rock climbing filmmaker or mountain biking or whatever you might be um but it's also like it can be about anything that happens outside. Yeah. So how'd you get into doing that kind of stuff? I've just always filmed everything I did. Yeah. Everything I've done up until like um, like the middle of last year, I sort of, I really slowed down. I don't film hardly much of my daily life anymore. Yeah. You're doing those edits every day on Instagram. Yeah. Those are fun. They were. They were. They were very taxing though. Yeah, I'm sure. Doing, doing these, these vlogs every week has been exhausting. I'm sure that doing something every day is probably not easy. No. And you're only doing like one minute things, right? Just for Instagram? Yeah, that's what it was, yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, I've always just filmed, even when I was like in sixth and seventh grade, I had a little mini DV camcorder and I would, my friends and I would like go snowboarding every weekend and I would take the camcorder and film our really awful attempts at snowboard tricks. <laughs> and I don't, I don't think I ever really did anything with them at the time, but it's, I've always filmed whatever I was doing and I just happened to do a lot of adventure things. So you've always been pretty outdoorsy? Uh, yeah, now more than ever, but like there's always been something, you know, in, in, in grade school, I mostly played sports. So that was my outdoor activity. But, um, yeah, over the last eight years or so, I've really gotten into hiking, biking, backpacking, climbing. So I don't, don't really play sports much anymore. Um, although I do miss it every now and then. I miss it a lot, especially, so I played soccer all throughout high school. Yeah. That was like my big thing. I did track for like a few years. I wrestled in middle school. Um, but soccer was like my big thing. Yeah, me too. And then when I went to college, we did indoor soccer. That was okay. I didn't like that as much. But then when I, when we moved to Pittsburgh, I was like searching for something like that. Like, I, I guess I just wanted some competitive sport. Cause yeah. to me, filmmaking has never been competitive. I know it is to some people, but, um, but yeah, so I was like looking for that. So I like did karate for a little while. Like I, I just really got into weightlifting for a while. Um, and then I found rock climbing. And rock climbing's like, it's so great because it's not, it's not competitive. It's not even, you know, it's not, a, it's not even a sport really. I mean, it is. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't do it as a sport. Yeah. Um, but it's such like there's such a great community around rock climbing that it feels like a team sport. It's yeah. the same sort of energy, that, like especially doing top roping stuff that you have a partner and you are like working on it together 
And uh, so that's really, you know, got that scratch of that itch yeah, for yeah, me. Absolutely. I, I noticed that as well. Like I, I was a judge at one of the climbing competitions I happened to descend two or three years ago, two years ago. Um, and all of the competitors, like uh, if I would have done that in high school, I would have expected everyone to like, you know, be at each other's neck. Yeah. Like when I used to go to wrestling tournaments, yeah. it was like, it was terrifying. Right. But the thing is that you're not competing against someone. You, you like how, how someone else does on a route doesn't affect how you are going to do on the route. And so there wasn't like any animosity between the competitors and that I really liked. I thought that was really cool, but I don't know the, I guess like speed, speed climbing and stuff is a little different cause you are technically competing against someone. I, yeah. I think that's silly. I'm like not excited about climbing being in the Olympics and I've only recently gotten into climbing like the past year. So I'm not, you know, I'm not like a purist by any means, right. but but have you done any climbing films? Um, I mean, like I've I've filmed almost every time I've gone outside. But um, the two notable things that I've done, I got to be the. Um, do you know Jordan Armstrong? Oh no, he he's a local guy. He produced um, a short doc for Outside Magazine about a climber from DC who runs like um what's it it's called soul trek and it's like getting um minorities to be comfortable with going outside climbing yoga hiking that kind of thing he's the founder of that dude is gonna blow up he's crazy but jordan was reached to reached out to by outside magazine to make a short about him going about uh tyree the founder of the organization going to the new river gorge and climbing there with a bunch of his friends. And so I got to be the um on the wall climber for that. So that was awesome. I like Oh, you were just you were just climbing or you were you I yeah, I climbed next to him and filmed the whole thing. Oh, time. okay, nice. Yeah. That's awesome. And so I I had to like learn a whole new technique, uh, like the rope system and everything and practice for a lot of time. Um and then because of that, I got to shoot photos at Ascend a couple times. Like, I just offered to shoot for their comps. Oh, I remember seeing those, actually. Yeah. Um, and then made friends with one of the guys that works at Ascend, who is also a freelance cinematographer. And he had to pass on a job for something. But it was, do you know the nonprofit Over the Edge? Yeah. So they were, came to Pittsburgh and did um, did a whole thing with coppers. And went over the coppers building and they wanted somebody that could get rigged up and go over the edge with the people. Right. And so, at, like, all day they were like, yeah, we're actually not going to send you over the edge. And I was like, that's why you hired me. <laughs> but okay, I'll just shoot for normal B-roll. And then finally, at the end of the day, the CEO of Coppers was the last one. He was going over the edge. And I was like, are you sure you don't want footage of him, like, from on the edge of the building with him? And the producer was like, "You're right," and I was like, "I can." Ask. I've been chatting up the the guys that like do the safety. I was like, "I've been talking to them all day. I can probably make it happen." And he was the producer was like, "If you're okay with it," and I was like, "Yeah, I am." So I got to they like it was a little different than what it would be for rock climbing, but basically because I would normally control my own speed, right. like rappelling, as the person is on the 
wall for over the edge kind of deal deal but the safety guys just uh locked me off and then they lowered me so that i could have total rain to nice yeah and so that was cool i just i don't remember how it was like 400 feet or something that's awesome but um those are the only like times i've been paid to do it um but yeah i don't know yeah i mean i've never been paid to do it but (laughs) it's like not part of my job at the climbing wall i just want to do it right right um but yeah that's super cool i've been like trying to think of different sort of like i even i came up with an idea for a like a, a rock climbing mockumentary yeah that would be just like it would be like a total normal rock climbing dock that you would see on youtube or real rock or whatever yeah um but then there would be like a horror element that would be introduced okay and it would be so awesome and if it does happen i need your help i yeah. want you to shoot it with me um but yeah i've just been like wanting to get more into that um because it's like yeah it's like climbing's like the one sort of hobby i've i've had ever that i i don't know don't feel like i need to be i don't know it's just like a great hobby for me i just really like to do it it's good it's good workout it's a lot of fun i love the community um and like you know i don't want to make climbing my career right by any means but i love to film like make films and so if i can kind of combine those two that'd be super dope right right that's that's what i'm trying to do is just like I'd rather not spend a day where I'm not outside. Yeah. You know, so if I can film the whole time or whatever it might be, that's that sounds pretty ideal. Yeah. So how do you how do you find most of your most of your work? Is it just like you just kind of it's like a snowball effect? Like how did you get involved with like the uh, have fun, do good? Yeah. Um. That was actually so in 2016. That was the first year that I did the Instagram dailies, and or yeah. And they started following me from that, and then I I did it again in 2018. And the photographer, one of the co-founders, Ben Petchel, he reached out to me and was like, um, from seeing seeing my Instagram videos, was like, you can tell a really good story. We need video for Have Fun Do Good. Let's um, let's have a meeting. And met met with Ben and Adam Coons, the other co-founder, and just came really good friends with them and so now that's a thing so they're, they're local here they're like- yeah adam and ben are from here okay yeah but i mean for a while adam lived out in san francisco and they were still running trips and everything um but now adam is has moved back here and so yeah adam lives like two blocks away oh, nice that's hilarious um and ben lives over in forest hills um yeah they're great guys and um, I'm actually going at the end of this month, going to Breckenridge, Colorado. They have like a bro weekend snowboarding thing where you do, you volunteer with the mountain with, um, Breckenridge. They have like youth programs. So you like lead the youth program and then you get to go snowboarding after. Um, so we're doing that. And then they're doing two Zion trips. I did one of their Zion trips last year. I did, I went to Costa Rica with them last year. So that's been a lot of fun yeah what other cool places have you gotten what's your favorite place you've been able to travel to for work for work hmm yeah i know you and hannah go on a bunch of cool adventures but yeah well yeah i guess that's that's part of the other thing is that with the adventure side of things is that my wife and i have uh an adventure an intimate wedding and adventure elopement photography business that's work yeah technically yeah so 
the with that the coolest one we've done is um we went to colorado and filmed filmed and photographed a wedding in rocky mountain national park oh wow so that was like that was really cool it was just a day of like driving around hiking around taking photo and video of people in love yeah pretty cool is she, so is she a photographer as well yeah because i've seen i've seen like her artwork and yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah she studied photography at point park and then got her uh, master's of fine art photography from parsons in new york city oh, wow. and now she's a photography professor a photography professor at two different universities um she does her own art practices she's the executive director of an art residency in indiana pennsylvania um i think that's it right now mostly (laughs) she does a lot of things um but yeah colorado rocky mountain national park was definitely the coolest destination wedding we've done um let's see for work i mean with have fun do good i would say costa rica was probably the most fun i watched that video that looked pretty amazing yeah it was i just i love that like band of the earth or like real close to the equator yeah like i've been to bali um cuba like those all those that island maritime that that whole vibe i i can get down with a lot one of the coolest experiences um, was after it was a couple months after Hurricane Maria, I believe. Um, for Spirit Airlines, we went down to Puerto Rico and did a documentary about the devastation that Puerto Rico endured and and how Spirit Airlines was able to help them recover a little bit. So that was like one of the coolest experiences. Not we weren't there to travel and explore or anything like that, but it was it was nice to go somewhere and like see see things and feel like you were making a little bit of an in- impact even though there's you know the whole corporate commercial side of it that it was definitely like a spirit branded sure, yeah. you know but but i mean it it's still like they they very real or very genuinely gave aid to puerto rico so yeah. that's not not just like them trying to have good sure. press i very happy feel very lucky to have gotten to go to all the places i have for work for sure yeah that's super dope dude man i've just been stuck in pittsburgh for like the past three years yeah (laughs) bullshit uh well last thing i want to talk to you about sure um so you edited that's amore i did dan was uh the first guest on dashing agent the podcast okay and that was way back when um but I want to talk about that, and then I want to talk a little bit about the whole damnation, which Dan and I also talked about. I think. Yeah, I knew that would come up. Yeah, I think it's necessary. Yeah. Seems like, uh, seems like maybe that was uh, sort of the origins of of you starting to get into. Uh, yeah, yeah, you could actually say that for sure. Yeah. All right. So uh, why don't we start with that? Uh, yeah, the whole damnation was a project that Dan Helbling, my cook Nick, and I uh, we cooked that up our freshman year of of college. We had a couple professors who were like, "Go out, seize the world," and we were like, "Okay." <laughs> and and it and Dan hadn't really traveled anywhere. Mike had not traveled anywhere. Period. And I had just come back from the summer before. I did my first road trip, road trip, and it was like life changing, you know. Definitely. Um, and I didn't even like go the furthest. What we the furthest west we got was Colorado, 
which is, I mean, still being, a, being an East Coast boy. Yeah. It was amazing. But also it was cool to like see all the, the flatness of the Midwest and everything. Um, but so we, we concocted this trip to do a road trip around the country and basically give Mike a little bit of culture and history and, um, we funded it on Kickstarter. I was like really into Kickstarter at the time. It was like in its fledgling stages, I want to say. When you could actually like get things funded. Yeah. 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 Um, and somehow we funded it. I don't really know how, but, uh, we went on the trip. It was amazing. Took two years to get a rough cut done. And it's subsequently taken six. It's it's coming up to seven years now. Yeah, what gives, man? What's where is that thing? The thing is, the edit is done, locked, sound is done. It literally just needs me to sit down for thirty hours and cut color the whole thing. Ah, uh. yeah, and so that's that's mostly what it is. Just I don't know. Part of it is like I don't I don't know. I feel like at some point too, when when you worked on a project so long ago that it's hard to finish it because you've grown so much since then. Yeah, they like probably I don't know, but probably yeah. you look at it and it's like you just think it's garbage. Well, uh, yeah, I mean we've said that multiple times. Like how good it would be if we even like a year later we were like how good would this be if we went and did this now? Right, because we literally had all just gotten our Canon DSLRs. Like, I think Mike and Dan had a 60 and I had a T2i. Nice. And, you know, mine didn't even have a flip-out screen yep. or anything. Um, and, I mean, just even just thinking of, like, how how much better my camera sensor is now, like, that I wouldn't have grain in the middle of the, or, like, noise. Like, just, like, little technical things, but also I don't think I... I can't remember if I had realized it by this point or not, but um, about shoot if you're shooting at 24 frames a second, your shutter speed needs to be 150th. Yeah, I think I had figured it out right before the trip, but it's like like that's how novice I was. Yeah, that's a lesson for everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, we yeah we were all three of us were were pretty good at telling stories, but like we bonded pretty early on over the fact that we liked the same kinds of films and commercials and and felt like we were all good at telling a certain style of story and it was also like Dan wanted to be director Mike wanted to be a cinematographer I wanted to be an editor and so that was a nice little partnership yeah. that we had going um and yeah it just uh it's just slowly turned it's just been a real slow moving process because it was always like, oh, Mikey's home. <laughs> it was always a back burner kind of thing. Yeah. Of like, yeah, that's all. We'll get to it when we have time. Right, right. And you know, I've slowly over the years needed to make more money and had to work longer hours and all sure. this and that. And so, yeah, now it's just like, it is. It's gonna be finished soon. Um, that's my that's my 2020 promise to you. That's my campaign. I'm gonna keep bugging y'all about it. No, I know, and and as you should, because <laughs> people stopped for a while, and I kind of forgot about it. And recently, a lot of people have brought it up, and I'm like, yep, that's it's gonna be my first like when I have a good chunk of time. Yeah. That's the first thing that's getting crossed off. Nice. So, well, we're looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm excited to see it. Yeah, uh, Michaela and I went on a very similar trip. Okay. 
in 2016. Yeah. We did like 22 national parks. Nice. But I, Dan showed me like the whole outline. It was pretty close. I mean, we yeah. looked like y'all went to like more like cities and did like. We did a handful of cities. Yeah, and I did like a thing. few more things. We like yeah. exclusively just hit a bunch of national parks. Yeah, and that's if Hi, I Michaela. if I did it again, that's the way I would do it. It was awesome. I mean, it was such a good trip, and I mean, I tried to do the same thing. I tried to make uh, like a full documentary out of it, and when yeah. I got home, just the footage was so bad that I made a really killer five minute video. Nice, and it's awesome. Right. But yeah, that was sort of my first little uh, like travel video yeah. type thing. But yeah, so that should have been your first edited feature yeah i mean it was the first feature that i finished editing it just hasn't been released yet yeah but now you got that's amore which has been officially released i saw it on sunday yeah i haven't seen the official you're going tomorrow i am nice are you gonna be going to the red carpet yeah that's such bullshit like i was (laughs) originally when i like made plans to go it was gonna be the q a was gonna be on sunday yeah and so I was super stoked about that. I was going to ask Dan some really embarrassing questions. And I texted him about it on Sunday. And he was like, ah, that got pushed to Thursday. I was like, that doesn't even make sense. Why? What? Well, no, it doesn't make sense that the red carpet premiere is not the first time the film was premiered. So how, how was what was that process like? Were you on set when they were shooting it? I was never on set. I, I didn't get brought into the process until everything had been shot. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was a very interesting process. I started editing it while I was still working full time at FIT. So it was very slow moving because it was like I could work on it in like three hour chunks every night. Mm-hmm. So like just to get the whole thing synced was that took weeks. Yeah. And like Dan and I tried to very diligently watch dailies. That took weeks as well. And then it came time for um, the rough cut to be done. It was supposed to be done at the end of 2018. And I'm notoriously bad at um turning things and turning things in on time i'm a great procrastinator and bad at deadlines um and i did not hit that deadline i didn't even come close to hitting the the december 31st deadline and i basically just had to like send out an email and be like guys i got this trust me i'm not good at these like step-by-step deadlines but if you want the film done by april 1st oh it'll be done by (laughs) april 1st (laughs) and it basically got down to the point where I, f- I think I finished the rough cut sometime in January, or early February, and then had two minutes to make re- two two months to make revisions. And at like the last two weeks of March, I was just like eighteen hour to eighteen hours a day working on the film. Oh wow! Yeah, it was it was a great experience. What are some things you learned? If you could, I learned that I don't like to edit that much. Yeah. Neither do I. <laughs> I, 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 I. I sound so like selfish or cocky when I say this, but I only really like to edit things that I shoot. Yeah, no, I feel the same way. Because I shoot in a way that I know what the edit's going to be. Mm-hmm. And so for me to take something that someone else has shot, somebody else has directed, it's there are way too many moving pieces, and it's not, it's not anyone's fault. Like, it's not Dan's fault. It's not a producer a director anybody it's that there's just it takes so much more time when i edit something that i've shot i can very quickly boom 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 boom, boom. you know what the next shot is right whereas like if you're watching something if you're watching dailies especially like when i was an editor in college i liked to be on set or i would like if I wasn't going to be on set, I would get with whoever the script supervisor was and say, these are the things I want you to write in the 
daily notes. And like I didn't have that on that Tamore. And so we had to sit there and watch every take. And it's like, I, when I like to edit, I the, the thing that I like the most is like the problem of solving. And for me to sit there and find the nuances that make shot or take five different than take four is not that exciting it's to me. exhausting yeah and and like it, it it definitely gets more exciting as you go along and as you refine everything but it's like it's it's the first the first half of the editing process that i just do not like and i do not it would have to be a very very personally interesting project for me to edit something for somebody else yeah i think i yeah i feel the same way i think for me i get the whole process for me kind of speeds up exponentially like i like like you said i take forever to sync everything up yeah, yeah. and just go through all the takes and then once i get my like first cut done first cut done i start to like really like pick up speed yeah. and go through because it, it does just get a lot more fun when you can start to see it coming together right um but yeah everything i shoot I edit, and so I know exactly what's coming next. And with, with cobblestone, because we do it so you know nonchalantly, we just kind of do it. I like kind of edit while we're shooting. Yeah. Like I don't, you know, there's not a whole lot of variation. I'm like, this shot is going right after this right, shot. Right, we right. have no choice. Yeah. Um, and that's I like that. Like right. that's fun. Um, but yeah, no, that's that's got to be that's got to be tricky though, to especially for a whole feature. Yeah. But it was really well edited. Thank you very much. I liked the uh, I I liked the the title sequence was really well done. How y'all thank you cut to the like those top down shots a lot. Yeah, I, like I mean a, most of that is just directing. Yeah, I, but you, I didn't you, have that much to do. But with you it. know, I mean, I'm sure it was you like where you put it. I, yeah, I definitely edited it together. <laughs> but I, I just mean like the whole idea there with that like I can't take any credit for it. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I know. Yeah. I know what the difference between directing and editing I, is. I know you. I know you know. Yeah, I thought it was really great. It's nice that you and Dan have a good working yeah. collaboration do you have any other projects coming up that you are trying to work on together um i just i just uh was a guest on off-brand oh yeah i was the inaugural guest you were y'all did uh like miller light we did light? we did domestic light beers how'd you do uh you'll have to tune in and find out all right this podcast is coming out definitely after the show yeah no i uh i did not perform as well as i had hoped did you do did you watch mine i did I did really poorly. Yes, did I was. I was like, I can do better than Reese. Did you? I. You'll have to watch. Okay, man. all right, fine. I yeah, I told him. I mean, I, I that was like the first thing I said when he sent me that text. I was like, I don't Sprite. I don't know. I don't really drink Sprite like yeah. ever, but I did the day before that. But um, but yeah, Krispy Kreme donuts. That would be pretty easy. Though. I think so too, though. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know, see. Like Miller Lite is the one that I picked. That I thought I thought I would be able to pick. Yeah. Because that's my light beer of choice, mm-hmm. and I've been drinking Miller Lite. We we had a lot of extra from our wedding, yeah. so I've been drinking it. I like just finished the case. Actually, there might still be like one beer left, <laughs> but so I was like, ah, oh, I can definitely pick up Miller Lite, and you'll have to tune in. It's a it's a sh- silly concept for a show, but he's been proven right. He's been kicking that around for years really? yeah i mean that, that might be an idea from like 2013 or 14 that's hilarious yeah it was originally going to be called one percent two percent because that he yeah, wanted, milk it thing. was a whole milk thing yeah um and i i wish you i like that name better but i get it brand yeah that's yeah, funny all right well that's about all i got for you i asked one of the questions 
Okay. On my list. Did we hit all the others? No, 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 no. I don't think so. Let me see. Um, I asked what your goals are for 2020. <laughs> we barely uh, touched on that. I wrote, tell me, tell me about editing that Samore. Yep. Um, ask about the whole damnation. Yep. Favorite place you travel to, I asked. And all right, anything you want to plug? Uh, let's see. Let's see. Plugs. Um, Not that anyone listens to this podcast, but. <laughs> it's worth it, man. Uh, I'm blanking on things to plug. Uh, follow me on Instagram at AldenRoth2. Follow my photography business at Harley.Roth. Follow my production studios, Gone Swimming TV, GoneSwimming.tv, and Rocket Fuel Studios. Follow. Subscribe to me on YouTube. Yeah, maybe please. I'll start making some YouTube content. You should. I should. Do I like those again. vlogs you're doing for a little while. Yeah, they were not good. That's all right. Neither mind. They're um, fun though. Vlogs aren't supposed to be good. Yeah. When people try to make vlogs good, I laugh at them. Yeah. All right, man. Thanks so much for being on Dashing Agent the podcast. Thanks for having Let's me. Let's go dude. climbing soon. Yeah, absolutely. All right, that's that. Thanks so much for listening, y'all. Make sure to follow Alden on all of his socials and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or Google or whatever, you know, if you like the show. We could really use the support. I'm going to try my best to get back into recording these more regularly, but if you really miss me, you can subscribe to Dashing Agent on YouTube where I've been uploading new vlogs every single week. I know those aren't for everyone, but they've been fun to make. I'm enjoying it. We also finished Cobblestone 5 last month, so make sure to catch up with that if you haven't already, because who fucking knows when we'll be able to finish Cobblestone 6. Damn, everything sucks. All right, that's it for episode 5 of the podcast. See you in a month, or several.